Welcome to the Jeff Duden Show. I am Jeff Duden, expert entrepreneur and brand builder. I unpack experiences from today's proven visionaries, action takers, and business athletes to understand the perspective, decisions, and fundamentals that can be applied to your life. Topics include pursuit of learning, health and wellness, leadership, entrepreneurship, and much more. And away we go. Welcome back, everybody, to the Jeff Duden Show. I am Jeff Duden, serial entrepreneur and brand builder. Today on the Jeff Duden Show, we continue to unpack experiences of uncommon people so that we can inform our path with their path and learn from the lessons that they adopted along the way. Today on the Jeff Duden Show, we have Nick Neonakis. Nick is proof of the American dream in action. His family moved from Greece when he was a boy and achieved success in this country through hard work and education. Now his greatest joy outside of his family is helping those who have made the decision to achieve independence through business ownership and make their own dream a reality. From growing brands domestically and internationally, mentoring franchise owners, and working with individuals to understand if franchise ownership is right for them, Nick brings a wealth of experience to the table. Nick is the founder of the Franchise Consulting Company, the fastest growing franchise consultancy in the world with offices all over the world. He's also the owner of the only American-owned trade show for franchising, the Great American Franchise Expo, and most recently launched the most outstanding magazine in the franchise industry, the Franchise Journal. I would like to welcome to the show, Nick Neonakis. Welcome. Hey, welcome. Thank you, Jeff. Glad to be here. Great, great. Nick, I, uh, I've known you for many years, and like so many other people in the industry, you made a material impact in the growth and success of my businesses, and so many people would share the same story, and I can't wait to unpack what you're doing now and how you help entrepreneurs uh, find independence through uh, freedom through entrepreneurship and change their life through investing in a business and building it. And we are at the Jeff Duden Show all about encouraging entrepreneurship and and finding ways to motivate through education and connecting dots for people so that they too can achieve freedom through entrepreneurship. Before we do that, I wanna go back, Nick, and I, I am personally interested to know about you, uh, the young Nick, and uh, you were originally from Greece and you moved to the United States as a young boy. Tell us about your early childhood experience and, and how you grew up. Yeah, so, uh, and, and you know, before we, we get into that, what a great podcast you're doing. You know, I think you've been a coach and a mentor to so many people, franchisors, franchisees. I love what you're doing with your podcast and sharing your message of independence and, and um, you know, really the uh, the entrepreneurial spirit that is America um, with with such a wide audience. So kudos. Um, you know, we came we came to uh, the U.S. I was about five years old, um, born in Athens, Greece, and came here. And uh, you know, I remember um, when we got to the U.S. Um, just thinking how big it was. Everything was so big, you know, and so exciting and fast moving. Um, only problem was I didn't really speak any English. So um, going to uh, kindergarten, I would go in the morning. I'd sit in the uh, the regular classes, which I didn't really understand a whole lot of. And then in the afternoon, I would um, do these, like, in essence, English as a second language course in the library of uh, Lincoln Elementary School in Summit, New Jersey. And that was, that was really uh, pretty cool. Um, so grew up in Summit, New Jersey, and, uh, you know, hardworking parents, uh, mom was a uh, teacher, and uh, my dad um, was a house painter and drove a cab and, and just you know kind of worked their butts off to uh, to you know create a great platform for uh, for their family. Um, you know, I think it was a pretty uh, typical kind of American growing up. You know, kind of a Norman Rockwell painting. If you know uh, you know Northern New Jersey, there's some great little towns there, and um, had a ton of great friends growing up and, you know, rode bikes and played outside, built forts and, you know, all the other kind of fun stuff that, uh, that you do as a kid. Um, and there was always a lot of um, opportunities, I think, to be entrepreneurial um, at that time, you know, and I think there still are for young kids. But, you know, some of my earliest memories are shoveling snow 
you know, going up, knocking on people's houses and, you know, shoveling their walk or their driveway, or cutting grass or raking leaves, you know, doing things like this. Um, you know, I think um, some fun entrepreneurial stories came uh, along the way. One of them was uh, during the gas crisis in 1979, which I'm sure lots and lots of your listening audience will remember. Um, there, you know, lines of cars uh, every day was a different uh, number uh, on your license plate. You'd be able to get in the line to get the gas because there wasn't a whole lot of gas. And uh, so what we did was we, we would buy donuts and we got this thermos that we filled up with coffee and we'd wake up before school and go walking down the giant line of cars. And, you know, there'd be people literally sleeping in the car and we'd you know knock on the window and say, hey, you want to buy a, you know, a cup of coffee and a donut? And, um, and so that was, I think, probably one of my first, you know, really, really fun entrepreneurial ventures, which taught me a lot about, you know, just go out there and interact and, and, you know, put yourself out there, talk to people, you know, have fun with it. What a, gr what a great um, so, yeah, idea. It was, it was fun. See the market, feed the yeah. market. That's right. Yeah. Let the market <laughs> drink. <laughs> so well, that's, yeah. What, uh, well, yeah. Well, you know, so you know, I know you grew up and, uh, you, you had a lot of experiences, whether it be here and then you ended up back in Greece for a little bit. What kind of stuff did you do, uh, growing up in, in school and, uh, did you do any sports or anything like that? How was, how was young Nick filling his time? Uh, and then, you know, I'm interested to know the, that question because, you know, part of, uh, our platform is the business athlete and it's really how do people create a foundation? I'm always interested to know and to share with our listeners how people created a foundation for for entrepreneurship, and you know how did they train? What did they what what kind of sharpen their sword when they were growing up? So so what were the things that were foundational for you growing up? Whether it be sports or or academics or you know th mm -hmm. those types of things. Yeah. Well, you know, I think. Um for me, I, I always looked around and, and saw what great lives people were living uh, in the town and the area that um, that I grew up in, and and thought, wow, that you know, you really have the ability to achieve this American dream. And so, you know, in school, I think I was a pretty good student. Um, yeah, I played sports, but I wasn't really an athlete. You know, I ran track. I you know, um, track and field uh, primarily. Um, I never really was into the organized sports like um, basketball, football, baseball, things like that. Um, maybe more of like a loner kind of, uh, you know, competing against myself. Um, and, you know, I think I had a, a pretty solid uh, academic career. Um, I was always working, though, you know, I, I uh, um, the summer between seventh and eighth grade, uh, I got my first like real job which was working at an A&W at the Short Hills Mall in New Jersey. And, um, you know, I was always really very uh, money motivated, you know, to work and to be able to do the things that I wanted to because, you know, I don't think um, there weren't a lot of kids that were getting allowances back in those days, or at least my family really wasn't. And so I was always motivated to work. So I, I got a job and I, I think you had to be 18. And they asked, you know, do you have all of your documentation? I said, well, no, I don't. But, you know, I'm, I'm ready to work. And they just put me in and I was washing dishes and then cooking as a seventh grader, which I don't think would uh, would actually ever happen these days. You probably need to actually have real, you know, driver's license and stuff like that. But, you know, every summer I worked, um, you know, we do really all kinds of stuff. Um, Help my dad, you know, painting houses. Um, got a job, a lot of restaurant work, um, got a job at the office restaurant in Summit, um, which is kind of a Northern New Jersey chain, um, as a bus boy, and then ended up becoming their, their youngest waiter ever. Um, and so, you know, I, I can't really ever remember a time where I wasn't working. I, I love to work. I like being around people. I like working and, uh, certainly the rewards that it gives you are, are tangible and, um, went to, uh, college at Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut, um, met just such a great bunch of people there um, that I'm friends with, you know, to this day, um, had the opportunity to travel uh, all over the world. Um, and after college, um, I moved back 
to Greece and ended up running a jewelry business on the island of Santorini, which is a beautiful place. I know your son's uh, been there. And um, so I did that for three years and had such a great time, met so many cool people, really learned a lot, I think, about humanity. I, I look back on all the experiences that I had, and that was probably the greatest uh, experience, um, just in terms of being able to meet people from all over the world, interact with them, um, you know, on a pretty, pretty cool basis, you know, and um, learning about jewelry and gold and diamonds and all these other things and uh, managing people. And, uh, you know, the owner of the business basically gave me the business and uh, moved back to Athens and said, you know, send me money and I'll send you gold jewelry. You run the, the business. And that was really pretty cool. How did that um, happen, Nick? Like, how does you're here in the United States and how did you end up? What was the, the process getting you back to Santorini? So um, this uh, summer between junior and senior year in college, I studied um, I'd studied in Germany and I decided I didn't want to go back. I wanted to go to uh, to Greece where I have lots of family and I'd work for the uh, for the summer and then go back and finish out my senior year in uh, Connecticut. Um, and so I got to Santorini and had never been there, had no family from Santorini um, and just went around and started asking people, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here and I'd like to get a job and I want to stay for the summer. I was with a couple of uh, friends from uh, from college. And so I ended up getting a job in a restaurant and that lasted for about two days. And the uh, one of the guys at the restaurant said, you know, you really should be working in one of the jewelry stores. And so he, he took me over and he introduced me to uh, the owner of a store. And, uh, you know, on these islands, kind of like in the Caribbean, you have a lot of tourists, a lot of cruise boats. And uh, so there's a lot of jewelry that's being sold there. And that's one of the big, there's probably 100 jewelry businesses on the island of Santorini. And so um, it's the biggest business on the island. And he introduced me to one of his friends who owned a, a shop and uh, he gave me a job. And then we had a, an amazing summer. Um, he sold more jewelry in that summer than he'd ever sold before. So he said, you know, come back when you graduate and uh, and we'll partner up and, and we'll run the shop together. And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to go and get a job on Wall Street. And that's kind of the traditional track, you know, out of college. Didn't seem like this was this is more of a summer fun thing to do. And then I got back um, and I got a job at a big bank and I did it for about 30 days. And I thought, you know what? This is so not me. This sucks. You know, no, no offense to any bankers out there, but <laughs> the realization was I was, um, you know, it was the summer. I was wearing a suit. I was on the subway in New York going downtown and I was looking around at all these people stuffed into this, you know, subway car looking absolutely miserable. And, and I could hear ringing in my ears, you know, come back to Greece and we'll, we'll partner up and we'll run this business together. And I just thought, you know what, I'm not gonna live my life where I have these regrets and I'm going into this kind of, you know, hamster wheel. And so, uh, so I moved back to Greece and that's how, that's how that, that really so started. So Santorini versus the subway, I think the choice is easy. And yeah, it sure but is. Who, and, and you deal with entrepreneurs all the time because your your life and existence is talking to people and evaluating their desire to be in a business. So here's you as a young adult and you, you've got 21, 21 years, years old. old. You get a great job. You've got the education uh, that you invested in and work hard to get. And then you basically say after 30 days, uh, you know, most people go 10 or 15 years before they get that itch and say, you know what, this isn't for me. How did you decide in 30 days that this wasn't going to be for you? And did you talk to anybody at the time? Did you talk to your folks or your friends and they tell you you were crazy? Yeah, I think everybody thinks you're crazy. I, I think it's, uh, you know, when, when you make that kind of entrepreneurial decision, I think go with your gut. You know, I think most people ignore their gut. And the amazing thing is your gut instinct tends to bring you on the right path. So, you know, I think I learned at a pretty young age, um, you know, listen to what your instincts are. And if you make a mistake, okay, that's a learning experience. But the biggest mistakes tend to be when, when your gut's telling you something and then you ignore it. 
And so I think, you know, it could be, it could be early into something. It could be late into something, but uh, you know, listen, listen to your gut. I also think there's probably a, you know, level of uh, immaturity there thinking, you know, screw this. I'm going to go back and have all the fun that, um, you know, running a business on an Island uh, entails. And the Greek islands are a lot of fun in the summer. Uh, so hopefully when the pandemic's over, anybody who's listening to this, you know, go to Greece, it's a blast. And so I did that uh, for three years. And what was really cool is because it's seasonal, you know, I'd open up the shop, run it till about October. And then from, you know, November until about March, um, had the opportunity to travel. So I traveled all over the world, you know, Australia, all over Europe, uh, all over the place. Um, and, you know, getting to see the people that I'd met during the summer and, you know, we'd meet people from all over the world. And, you know, I, I, one of the things that I really learned is at the very end of it, I mean, we were selling pretty expensive jewelry. And so the people that were buying this tended to be older people who could afford it. And I was always fascinated by, you know, what they did, how they got to where they are, you know, how did they make their money? Where are they from? What's their life like? And, you know, you really start realizing that at the very end of all of this journey, life, you've got two different kinds of people. Those who are, you know, happy and excited and kind of look back at a life well lived, that they took the risks, they worked hard, they had fun, they did the stuff that, that really um, led them to the place of happiness, whatever that is. And then there are people who they didn't go with their gut. They felt regrets. You know, they looked back and they thought, I should have done this. I could have done this. And, you know, I'll tell you, at a very, very early age, I realized I'm not going to live a life of regret. And if I decide that I want to do something, then I'm going to go do it at 100 miles an hour because the reality is we're here for such a short period of time. So, you know, don't put off the things that you want to do. And I think, you know, what's going on right now in the world really underscores that, you know, you think about people who are, you know, in their home tied up, you know, not able really to go out or, you know, knock on wood, it doesn't happen to anybody we're listening to, you know, stuck in a hospital bed or something like this. And you kind of look back over the course of your life and you think, what did I do? Did I do the stuff that I wanted to do? And so I think, you know, look inside, be introspective, decide what you want to do. Um, so, you know, for me to continue my, my little journey, um, after a couple of years in Santorini, I thought, you know, I probably it's time to try something different because I, I was kind of watching what the life looks like going there. And I thought, I, I don't see how I'm going to get married or have a family doing this. I mean, it's kind of a very fun playboyish existence, but um, you know, there's something more. So I came back to the States, um, got back into finance and uh, did that and did it pretty well now. Um, but then realized, you know, in order to really progress down this track, um, you really needed an MBA. And so uh, I went and I got an MBA at Case Western in uh, Cleveland. Great, great school. Um, and met my wife there, uh, who was getting her MBA at the time, and um, graduated. Uh, you know, I'd worked at the World Trade Center uh, prior to that. And um, during uh, business school is when, uh, you know, 9-11 happened, that terrible tragedy. And, you know, after after school, I had uh, kind of looked east, I looked west, and I thought, you know, I don't think I want to go back to New York. It doesn't have that appeal for me. And I had uh, worked between first and second years in California at uh, Oakley, the sunglass company, um, doing some really cool projects there. And so moved back to California and met uh, some of the founders from First Service. Um, and, a, and a huge mentor of mine who ended up being a mentor named Mike Cassidy, who uh, was the president of Stained Glass Overlay, uh, which at the time was owned by First Service. And Charlie Chase, who you know, had been the president of uh, Stained Glass Overlay, had moved over to Certipro. Now he's running First Service. And so I uh, met these guys, and um, that's how I got into franchising, was uh, meeting them. And... You know, they, they posed, uh, they were looking for a pretty particular person, somebody who um, 
had a finance background, a marketing background, had an international background, who spoke a couple of languages because this company had uh, about 320 locations in 35 or 36 countries around the world. So they were looking for somebody who could interact. And I thought it was such an interesting opportunity. I'd never thought of franchising before, but I really liked these guys and thought they were very entrepreneurial, very smart. You know, all of them had these cool stories of kind of pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and uh, starting at college pro painters and painting houses when they were kids and doing all this other stuff, which really reminded me a lot of my background. And so, and I liked them a lot. I just liked these guys. And so I, I, uh, they offered me a job and I accepted it. And that started my franchising career, um, which, you know, from there I, I started in operations and then development and then started running development teams and, um, worked uh, with Tom Wood at uh, floor coverings international, uh, in development. And, you know, for, uh, for more than a decade, um, really got to see what the inner workings of a 2000 multi, uh, 2000 unit, uh, 10 brand system, uh, looks like and met such amazing mentors, uh, along the way and was really, I think, able to uh, gain a lot of lessons about how do you, how do you franchise the right way? And I'll tell you that the biggest lesson, um, is you have to take care of your franchisees. Everything the sun rises and sets with the people that have put their faith and their trust in you and your company and your vision and all of the operations and the systems and everything that you're doing, you have to think about what that means to a person, right? Who is going to pay for their kid's education, who's gonna put food on their table, they're gonna put a roof over their head, through the system that the franchisor has has uh, has put in place, and one of the uh, one of the great great guys in franchising, Steve Rogers, who I know you know, um, when he was retiring, I, I'd gone to his dinner up in Canada, um, and he had this great great uh, great speech where he said, "It's not the guy wearing the suit in some office somewhere that this is all about. It's it's the guy that." every morning wakes up and puts on his boots and goes out there and does this for their family. That's who you have to answer to. And, you know, if you think about all of the different aspects of business, um, it really starts from the, the client and the person who is um, putting your brand on their, on their chest and going out there and, and living it every single day. Um, so, you know, from there, um, there came a point where I just, I started traveling so much, you know, you think about how many locations are out all across the country. And it seemed like, you know, on a Monday I'd be in Seattle, then I'd be in Houston, then I'd be in Chicago, then I'd be, you know, in Miami, and then I'd be back home, you know, at the end of the week, it was just too much with little kids. And so I started uh, consulting and started working with um, a lot of really interesting people who were looking to own a franchise and was able to share with them some of the lessons that uh, that I learned along the way. Um, wrote um, wrote a couple books. Uh, one of them, the franchise MBA, did well. Um, ended up being the number one bestseller. It's actually still is uh, highest reviewed book on Amazon after six years, um, which is really cool. And it's a humbling. great book. It is uh, uh, my highest recommendation to anybody uh, in any phase of their life should get that because it not only shares with you how to think about changing your life through business ownership, there's just some good life lessons in there that you can apply to a career or anything really that you're looking to do. I'm, I'm concerned, you know, your book that's coming out uh, is probably going to uh, dethrone mine, but uh, that's okay. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll write another one. But uh, yeah, so that was kind of the whole rocket fuel for what I would call the next chapter um, in my franchising career was was being able to share some of those lessons that, um, you know, I was I was uh, very privileged to be able to uh, to witness and uh, and be a small part of. You know, before we get too far away from it, I, I want to put a pin in the jewelry store experience. And I, I don't recall it might have been Ray Dalio, but it was one of these super successful money hedge fund people. 
And his early life experience was at a golf course and being a caddy. And the, the lesson shared was that he would spend hours on the course with these people and he would talk to them about investing and how they made their money. And over time, you end up with hundreds of conversations. And one of my mentors, Dave Zierfoss, always shared with me that our lives will be uh, impacted by the books we read, the people we meet, and the conversations that we have. And I can only think from your jewelry store experience that you were exposed to people that not only could afford to golf, these people could afford to travel to Greece from all over the world. And part of your, I'd love to hear about how you hooked people. I mean, were you, were you out there on the street just hooking people, you know, throwing little, little trails of uh, fake costume jewelry to kind of get them to follow it into the store. But I, uh, there's, I, I know that, <laughs> I, you know, I know you, you got creative about it, but as you, as you get these people into the store, part of it is making them comfortable and building a relationship so asking them about them it had to be just a, a wealth of information of, of people that you know unknowingly subconsciously shaped the way that you think and and you know the way that you thought about opportunities and the way that you thought about life and so I find that extremely interesting and I also believe that everybody needs to have an adventure in life and I encourage my children and anybody that's of the age that can still do it and I happen to think that anybody can do it if they just choose today uh, to have a different tomorrow. But uh, everybody should have an adventure in life. And, and what a better adventure than flying halfway across the world to an island and uh, throwing down and saying, yeah, I need a job and then, and then I need a business and, and from there. So I really, I really applaud that. And I, and I think that it's really formative to who you are today and when I look at the number of businesses that you've created and, and how you execute your business and the number of people that you help, whether it be with your books or with the trade show or with the journal and, and how giving you are of your assets and your resources, it's really impressive to me. But, you know, you, you, I just have to ask myself, like, where did this guy come from that gives him these abilities and these skills to do it? And uh, so, so I'm interested to hear now from moving from employment into independent consulting and finding a way to help people getting the business. How did that phase of your life go as a consultant? You know, it, it was pretty smooth. It, you know, most of my life I've spent talking to people and, and, you know, asking them what they're trying to achieve and, you know, if I can help them with that. And, um, you know, just having honest, straight open dialogue, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, would you like to buy some jewelry? And I can tell you all kinds of funny stories about how we got people in. We weren't sprinkling gold dust on the ground, but kind of close um, to, you know, the consulting, which was really about, you know, who are you? What are you trying to do? How are you trying to get there? What's reality for you? And then what's out there? And, you know, I think if, if you enjoy what you're doing, and I enjoy entrepreneurship. So, you know, you become a student of the things that you enjoy doing. Um, and, you know, so one of the things I always loved is there's so many amazing entrepreneurs. You're definitely one of them, Jeff, who have figured out uh, ways to create businesses. And so if you enjoy studying how people do it, then you start, you know, asking second and third level questions, you know, about, well, why are they doing it? And, and what makes them better? And how do the people that are in these businesses do well? And why are there people that don't do well in the same system where some people are doing well, right? You're going to have some people do well, some people don't. It always fascinated me to think about same business, same training, two different people, two different results. Why is that, right? It's not you get the same result every time. So then that started to, to lead to um, a study of who people are and why uh, they do certain things. And so I think being able to synthesize that and ask the questions, right? It's always about asking questions and the quality of the questions that you ask that are going to dictate what the outcomes of that engagement are going to be. So for me, I, I love studying entrepreneurs. I love seeing what kind of businesses they're doing. And then within that, who's doing well. So that was, I think, a very, um, and you know, with, with the experience that I had had at first service, I got to meet hundreds and hundreds of different business owners 
from you know the IFA meetings or various trade shows or you know places where you go and engage. And I think one of the biggest strengths that uh, entrepreneurs have, and I think I have a small, tiny bit of it, is you go into a crowded room and you're going to do one of two things. Either you're going to be a wallflower or you're just going to go and start meeting people and saying, hey, I'm Nick. Who are you? You know, what do you do? How do you do it? And, you know, if you do that enough times over the course of your life, you really start meeting some pretty amazing people. And, you know, some maybe not so much, you know, and you're the one who's going to decide that. And uh, then you start hearing about their stories and, you know, what do you do and how do you do it? and Why is it successful? And so if you collect that, that you know, library, this compendium of, of experiences and knowledge, then you can think about where can you share that knowledge that is needed? And do you have the ability to help people and, uh, and to then create value? And if you're creating value, then value is going to come back to you. So, you know, for me, the transition to consulting was pretty straightforward because I, I loved it. I loved doing what I do. And so, you know, helping people and, and creating structure um, for them to go and investigate uh, ideas then led to the creation of the franchise consulting company um, on some pretty simple steps, you know, and, and the most important step is, is make a business plan for yourself. What is it that you're trying to achieve, you know, and articulate that and and then put some metrics around it so that when you go out and you start looking at ideas, you have a baseline to compare it to, not a baseline that somebody else created for you, but the baseline that you are thinking about what's over the horizon for you and your family. And I find a lot of people have never really thought about that, you know, this sort of level of emotional intelligence about you know, who are you really? And what are you good at? And what are you trying to achieve? And how will you know when you get there? And how will you know what the journey looks like? But if you listen to your gut, you know, to go back to an earlier part here, um, your gut tends to lead you in the right place. But a lot of times people cover that up. And so I think, you know, the franchise consulting company was really built. I know, you know, Ray Dalio has the, the radical honesty policy within his organization. Um, it's very similar within ours. It's really about who are you, what are you trying to do, and, and how are you going to get there? And can we help you with some of the, the tools that we have to do that? So talk, um, talk to me yeah. a little bit about this battle that – entrepreneurs have within themselves this on on one hand there's the you know uh, you know fa- what is it failing to start is starting to fail or or you know just this 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 concept of just get started because you can't fix anything until it has volume running through it so get started make a commitment have a have an have an idea of what you want to do and get to work on it. And I've seen you do that very effectively. The great thing about you, Nick, is that you know a, a lot of people get into a meeting and they say this is what we're going to do, and then they go away. And then three days later, it's not done. If if somebody's in a meeting with Nick Neonakis, it's done by the end of the meeting. It's nobody. It's it's done. It's the the speed to decision and the speed to action. On the other hand, taking time to uh, to aim, taking time to do some analysis, taking time to make sure that your ladder is up against the the right building. So, how do you avoid, or how do you counsel people to avoid this, you know, ready, fire, aim mentality? And what's the right balance between analysis and and uh, and and then getting moving on a, on an idea? Well, I think you want to you want to think about what are the components of a business that you have mastery around. And so I think a lot of times, you know, not everybody is going to be good. If you think of a business, you've got operations, marketing, finance, HR, right? All of these components that are within a business. And if there's going to be some decision point that has to be met, you have to then think through what are the experiences that you've had? Have you been a good student? Have you compiled these things in your own internal library? And how are you going to then base your decision upon the experiences that you've had in the past? 
So if you have a specific you know, category of things that you're good at, um, then the speed to decision tends to be faster. You know, if you ask me, how, how do you go start up a dairy farm? Um, it would probably take me a lot longer than, you know, well, how do you start up a, a, a magazine, right? I, I can tell you more about that because it's within a field that I've got uh, an experience around, which is marketing, right? So if you think, if you distill it down into what is this thing, it's, it's a marketing uh, question with a fulfillment component. So then you, you, you know, the way that I do it is I take a look at the experiences that I've had. Um, and if I don't feel like I have an experience there, then I don't make a decision, but I'll go and I'll spend time. And I, I tend to just work a lot and pour myself into something um, to figure out, is it a go or a no go? Do you have the ability to gain mastery around this thing or not? And there are going to be some, you know, there are plenty of things that have come across my transom that, you know, I look at, I do a study on, I go, this is not something that is within my wheelhouse and I just am not interested in doing it. Um, if it is in my wheelhouse and I am interested in doing it and I think it brings value to the enterprise that, that we have, um, then I'm going to spend the time on, on figuring it out. And the older you get and the more meetings you get into, the faster that process becomes. So either it's a decision to know or it's a decision to, okay, here's what we need to do to then start building that foundation. And if you're going to do it, then get started on it. You know, think of it like building. Go scrape the ground, find the bedrock, and what's the supply chain that needs to start happening to get the cinder blocks and the concrete and the rebar and pour the concrete. So you're going to need, you know, wood and all the other stuff. And it's just a series of steps. So get those steps down and then allocate who in the team is going to do what, set some clear deliverables and, you know, and, and get started. Right. Most people don't succeed because they take so much time analyzing all the things that they know they're going to have to do and they don't roll up their sleeves and get started. So, you know, I'm a big believer in go get started. You know what, what the steps are going to be, but you got to get started. And sometimes if you have conviction in the idea and the people that you're doing it with, and they're, you know, these, um, these, you know, not to paraphrase Don Rumsfeld, but they're going to be, you know, known knowns, known unknowns, and then unknown unknowns. So that's pack your parachute on the way down. So figure out what you do know and the stuff that you don't know, is it going to be a killer or not? Take your best guess and jump out of the airplane and go do it. And, you know, the fear of hitting the ground and bouncing uh, oftentimes will far outweigh the need for complete mastery of, uh, of all the subject matter. You'll figure it out. If not, you're dead. That fear is a great motivator. There are people who set out in this world to solve the biggest problems that exist in society or the world, and they become wildly successful and famous, and, uh, and they solve and they, they move our society forward. The other 8 million businesses in this country are variations on a theme of somebody, something that's been done before. And when we look at our history, and that's why it's so important to have as many experiences as possible, because then we have more experiences that we can draw upon and get started in business. When you talk about laying the foundation and laying the, the, the stones and the block and the, and the framing, those are all things that, that you, you already know what those elements are. Now, to build your business, you might want to do it uh, slightly different. You might want to do it with more technology that's available today that maybe wasn't available when you went to work with that company. Or you might want to do it a little, a little thinner or a little bit uh, faster or have a slightly different market segment. But these are, these are things that can be put together and cobbled together in a different way. It's just a variation on a theme. But more importantly, what you learn in that moment is entrepreneurship, how to succeed without a net, how to deal with fear, how to, how to put things out of your head when you know you need to get some sleep, but you know you got a payroll that you have to hit on Friday. And all of these things just create muscle memory and a certain toughness around problem solving. And 
problem solving by yourself uh, can be pretty hard. So having the conversations and going out and enlisting other people who have done it before or who can help you or could be a partner or a collaboration, that's what the great business owners do. They, they, they're not afraid. They're, they're out there and they're collecting experiences and they're collecting relationships and collecting knowledge. And they're just continuing to like make a turn on that Rubik's cube and try to try to get the first side to match up. And, and then they just keep twisting on it. Um, which is, a, which is a great segue. So I, I want to talk about your book, the franchise MBA, and it is for people who are listening to the conversation and are thinking, okay, I'm, I'm in a gig, I'm in a job. I've been doing the same thing, but I, I'm up for a change. I don't know where to get started. Talk to me a little bit about the, at, the, at a high level, the premise of the franchise MBA, the stepping stones, and how people can use that to consider uh, change in their lives. I think having an organized mind is uh, maybe one of the biggest benefits that any business builder can have. And if you have never had an organized mind around a specific topic, take a look at the other things that you've done in life and how you organized it, okay? So with the Franchise MBA, what I tried to do was to create a framework for people that they could follow to cross their T's and dot their I's. And I think you've got four major steps uh, in this process. And I'm, I'm gonna make a huge, huge offer to your entire listening readership here at the end of this. So get ready, this is gonna be a world first on the Dude All Podcast. Right. So imagine that you're at the, on the bank of a river, okay? And you've got uh, these four major stones in front of you and they're all mossy and there's water running around them and you don't know how deep that river is. You want to take it slow. So the first step, I think the most important step is you, you know, who are you? What are you good at? What we were talking about that whole introspective self, what's your level of emotional intelligence to look inside and then write out a plan for yourself. What's your course of action? Where are you trying to get to and how are you going to get there? That's the first step and approach these steps gently. Don't rush, go slow, test before you commit. You know, you wouldn't run across rocks, mossy rocks on a fast flowing river, right? You'd go pretty slow. The second step is once you have your plan, go and take a look at all the different options that can help get you to where you're trying to go, right? We're starting with the end in mind. You're not buying a business for the love of a business. You're buying a business because it's a vehicle to get you to an outcome that is desirable. So look for businesses where in the past, the people who have owned them have hit the kinds of outcomes that you're looking to achieve. And do your homework on that second step. Make a whole universe of ideas that seem interesting and then move through them deliberately and diligently to figure out, are they reality for you? and go mystery shop them. Go mystery shop their competitors. Go learn about the industry. Go meet the people that are running these companies. If it's a franchise, if it's not a franchise, go in and spend time with the owner. Go poke around the back, you know, do your homework. And eventually what ends up happening is you have one or two ideas that really seem to be a good fit. And then take the third step, which is go work in one of the businesses. Go spend a day or two or a week following an owner around. Go sit in the van with them. Say, I'll buy you lunch for a week. I'll pick up the you know, bags of cement. I'll do whatever you need. Let me just come in and you know, let me see what you're doing. And I think it's such an important step. You know, it's, it's like if you buy a car, you're going to go and take the car for a test drive. Do the same thing in a business and get your hands dirty before you do it. Um, you know, I think it's such a big step that if somebody won't let you do it, I'd probably want to know why. Why can't I go and see? Go see, right? There's there's this great uh, expression um, from Toyota manufacturing, which is Genshi Genbutsu, which is go to the spot and see for yourself. So at Toyota, if there's a problem on the manufacturing line, everything stops and the engineers all go to where the problem is 
and they go see for themselves what's going on. So do the same thing with your business investigation. And if you find that you don't like what you're seeing, you just learn something very valuable. Then go back to the first step, fix your model because you just learned something and then find another series of ideas that seem to make sense. Um, if you do like what you're doing on that third step, then take the fourth step, which is the legal and the financial steps. And you know these are pretty straightforward. Go figure out how you're gonna finance the business. Go make sure that you have attorneys review all your documents. Just cross your T's and dot your I's. But I think if you think about that series of steps of build a plan, go investigate, go and try it out for yourself, and then get the professionals wrapped around you to make sure you're not missing anything, um, if you follow those series of steps, you're going to really do a very good job in coming up with ideas and then investigating them for yourself. All of this then re uh, relies on, on your gut. What's your gut telling you? If your gut's telling you there's something amiss, don't do it. Simple as that. What would your experience tell you as somebody's going through this, but maybe it's their first time that they've had these thoughts in dealing with negative self-talk or overcoming fear. If you've never been an entrepreneur and, and, you're, and you're following this path, it can be very easy to look for certainty and security and come up with a million reasons why this is not the time, it's not the place, it's not the business, it's not, it's not for me. Now the problems don't go away. I still have college educations for my kids to solve. I still have a retirement to solve. I've got, you know, people do things because they have problems that they need to solve in their life. Like you said, there's an outcome that they're looking for. They're not sure that they're gonna get it on their current course, so they've gotta change course to get the outcome. But, they're, but they get to a point where they have to overcome that fear. Any advice? You know, the, the level of reward that you're going to get is going to be correlated to the level of fear that you can withstand. And what is certainty in life? Okay, certainty is a fleeting, effervescent shadow. There is no certainty in life. So what is certain? You're going to have a job that the company isn't going to uh, go away. Um, you can't control that. You're going to have a stock that isn't going to get imploded. You know, maybe you will, maybe you won't. But I think the one thing that is a certainty in life is that you have the ability to control your activities. So if you feel that whatever problem is going to come your way, and I think it's literally as simple as this, that if, you know, say to yourself, Whatever problem is going to come my way, I will figure it out. I will go through it. I will go over it. I'll go under it. I'll blow it up. I'll walk around it. I'll get a pry bar and lift it out of my way. But if you're confident in your capabilities to deal with whatever life is going to bring at you, that is certainty. And everybody has that certainty. Okay. And if you don't have it or you're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to do it, think about this. The very fact that you're here listening to this right now is thousands and thousands of generations of your ancestors who somehow figured out how to solve problems. Otherwise, they would have been dead and you wouldn't be here. So you are the living culmination of thousands of thousands of generations of, of doing the right thing at the right time or else, again, you wouldn't be here. And if you go back and you think about all those interactions, uh, those are all encapsulated within your kind of living memory bank, kind of like animals know how to swim. I think people know how to do stuff because of this you know, built-in mechanism that we all have. So if you're confident in your capabilities to deal with problems, that's a certainty. And when you're faced with uncertainty, rely on the certainty that you'll be able to deal with it doesn't mean it's going to be easy or elegant or not messy, but you're just going to have to roll up your sleeves and go deal with it. And that, I think, is the secret that I've seen with great entrepreneurs getting into uncertain areas is they just keep moving 
forward. They don't stop. Keep moving forward. Well, there's nothing like uh, uh, pressure to procreate, Nick. Uh, you know, thousands of generations uh, could be the one that let them down. I've got to. That's a. There's a lot of. That's pre- <laughs> a lot of pressure you just laid on us. So we've got to keep this thing moving. But but it's true. It's absolutely true. The fact that we are where we are, that we live in the country that we live in, that we have the opportunities that we have. There's a lot of things that had to go right. Yeah, for this to happen, what a great opportunity! And and being fearless uh, doesn't mean being stupid. It just means that the the reward that you're after is is worth the risk in the journey. And you have to trust yourself that you're going to put the work in. I very few things happen without extra effort and overcoming failures and testing and fitting it. You know, when a failure happens, it's just it's just something that you learned and it's adjustment that you need to make. And what I see in entrepreneurs like yourself is you don't care about failure. It's just there's no there is no ego. There is no sense of, uh, oh, my gosh, what are people going to think? What is what are the optics on this? If people see me trying this and it fails, you can't worry about that. You know, moreover, people are going to admire you uh, if it even mattered, which it doesn't, for giving it a try. And, uh, you know, envy uh, is the is the enemy of enlightenment. So people that are jealous of other people that are trying things and doing things, you know, those are people that are going to be closed minded to maybe learning from that person. So. Uh, you know, it's very important to have the right mindset going into this. And, and really, less is more. It really is. It less is more. Don't overthink this. Don't overthink going into business, mm-hmm. which kind of leads us to the next thing I'd love to talk about. When you say fastest growing, it is a superlative. But I will tell you, it is not an unwarranted superlative when it comes to the last three things, or maybe they weren't the last three things that you've done, but the fastest growing consultancy for franchise ownership in the world, followed by the fastest growing and only American owned franchise trade show, followed by arguably the highest quality, fastest to circulation magazine in the industry, in the franchise journal. Nick, is is it your bent that now you have gotten so good at identifying opportunities or the execution when you decide to do something? Or is it the common threads between the things that you choose to do that kind of cheat the drill? And maybe your success is a, is a foregone conclusion because you already know that there's a hole in the market and you've got leverage. Tell us how you've gone from being a consultant to being really a leader in the industry and somebody who's transforming franchising and business ownership globally? Um, it, it really isn't me. Um, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the reality. Um, the reality is, is that there are 139 amazing consultants at the franchise consulting company who all have great ideas and opinions and you know we've been able to create a framework where we can have it's almost uh, academic where we have the ability to share ideas and put them on an operating table and take a look at them and say is this a good idea does it bring value to the group and so you know whatever success we've had it isn't any one person who has um, you know created that it's it's the ability to have an egoless, open dialogue where many people's viewpoints are synthesized um, from the group. So when it's we're going to do something new, like launch a trade show, um, the entire organization is behind it. And so you've got this amazing push of people who are all fully aligned in wanting to move forward because it brings value to our country it brings value to our franchisor partners. It brings value to the people that come to these shows uh, to investigate. And so because we had such clarity and certainty that we needed to do this and all these people were, were aligned behind the creation of it, how on earth could it not succeed? And the exact same thing happened with the Franchise Journal 
where you have 139 brilliant, amazing people who have viewpoints that they want to share with the world who can write articles and then hundreds and hundreds of franchisors and entrepreneurs who have amazing stories that they want to share. How could it not be successful then to synthesize all of those and share them? And so I think, you know, that ability to have open dialogue as an organization and then put the, the ideas of many together um, is really what the, the secret of our success has been. It's not me. I'm, I'm, you know, nothing special standing on a mountain directing, you know, you, this is where we're going to go next. It's, you know, having the ability to have an open conversation with a lot of people and using technology to be able to gain all of their viewpoints and then say, you know, this is what we're thinking about doing. What do you think? Where are the holes? How can we do it better? And then articulating that clearly, putting together a game plan that has some measurables um, that, you know, then are time based that uh, then once everybody is bought into it and they say, okay, let's go ahead and do it. Now you've got this extraordinary momentum that happens almost instantaneously. And I think that's really been the, the major secret of our success is that everybody's voice matters and everybody's experience matters and everybody's success matters. And that's why, you know, that's what wakes me up in the morning and, and keeps me so excited to, to continue moving forward. It's the people that are part well, of Bill us. Belichick, as great a coach as he is, it will never say anything other than it's about the players and it's always about the players. And he gives full credit to the players, regardless of the fact that he's the one orchestrating and strategizing and training and, and recruiting and all of that. Uh, great players make great plays in big games and uh, a team that is bought into the mission that the leadership sets out as the course of action uh, is a very, very difficult team to contend with. So, And you're that kind of leader and you've got that kind of team. And it has been said that innovation from the top down is orderly and dumb. But innovation from the bottom up is chaotic but brilliant. And I think more companies and more organizations should take heed of that. And, and making you never know what the feedback is going to bring, but all of our thinking is better than any of our thinking. And uh, you, you really lead an incredible organization. And hats off to you. And I know that our listeners have enjoyed tremendously hearing from your stories and, and learning from your journey. And thank you for sharing your experiences. Nick Neonakis, author of the best-selling book, The Franchise MBA. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to know what the big offer is? Oh, yes, I do. Oh, well, I was going to give, I was going to kick it over to you. I'm going to let you, I'm going to give okay. you the last word on this, but I do uh, want to remind people that Nick is the author of the Franchise MBA and that he, uh, the Great American uh, Franchise Expo and as well as the Franchise Consulting Company. And I want people to know before I turn it over to Nick that you can get this guy on the phone. And if you have a dream and you've got a vision, then he has a path for you. And uh, not only will you will you learn a lot, you'll enjoy the conversation with Nick and anybody from his team. So I highly encourage you to reach out. And uh, every journey starts with the first step. So, Nick, why don't you share your offer and then wrap it up with how people can get in touch with you? For listeners of this podcast, if you uh, you know reach out to us, go to the franchise consulting company, or, or reach out to uh, to Jeff. I'm sure you'll you'll send uh, send the information over. If you have an interest in reading the book, I would be thrilled to send you a, a copy and uh, have you talk with one of our great local consultants and uh, you know help you build a business plan or whatever it is you want. But um, we'll send you a copy of the book free of charge. Uh, or you can buy it on Amazon for sixteen ninety five, but we'd rather send it to you free of charge. So reach on out, and uh, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So go to thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com, or if you want to take a look at our trade show, franexpousa.com, or at our magazine, franchisejournal.com, and uh, lots of different ways to, uh, to interact with us. Uh, but I'd like to send you a free book, and if uh, any of us at the at our companies can can help you on your entrepreneurial journey, whether it's creating a franchise brand, if you have a successful business, or if you want to buy the perfect franchise or figure out what that looks like, um, we'd be happy to help you free of charge. And um, whatever information 
we can help you with. Uh, we will go to the ends of the earth to help you find it. Nick Neonakis, thank you for being our special guest on this episode of the Jeff Duden Show. And away we go. Thank you for tuning in to the Jeff Duden Show. Interested in learning more about something I referenced in the episode? Check out the show notes for links to content and more. If you enjoyed my podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Until next week, you can find me at jeffduden.com. Thank you for listening.